you're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, welcome back to the camp house here at, hey, welcome back to the air-conditioned camp house here at Kinder Outdoors. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Greatly appreciate it. We're going to have a little fun. The Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza is in Fort Worth. We're going to get together with all of our old friends, meet some new ones, and hey, drop by the Kinder Outdoors booth while you're there. We're giving away those cool-looking, brand-new Kinder Outdoors t-shirts. You can see what they look like at Kinder, K-I-N-D-E-R, KinderOutdoors.com. Front door to the camp house is brought to you by Fortiflora. Boy, this stuff is time-tested and it works. It's worked 100% of the time that I've used it. It's a probiotic for our dogs, and it works as well as a preventative as it does as a cure for GI upset. If you own a dog, you really need to have Fortiflora in your fridge. Order it from Chewy.com. While you're there at KinderOutdoors.com, take a look at the bragging board. Take a look at this picture that my friend Marshall Tillman, Estes, Colorado, Estes Park, took off of the front porch of his cabin. When you've got elk and mule deer grazing right out in front of your house, you're living in a sweet spot. Thanks for sharing, Marshall. (laughs) I appreciate it. I felt cooler just looking at the picture. I was 30 degrees cooler just looking at your view. Squirrel season starts tomorrow in the great state of Georgia. What a terrific way to get the kids started. A 22 rifle, a walk through the woods, and limb bacon for dinner. I can remember as a kid shooting those squirrels and taking them home. My mom never yelled at me or told me to stop. The deal was if I'd clean them, skin them, she'd cook them. Smothered squirrel and peppery gravy. It was mighty good. Big old cathead biscuits. Y'all have fun in Georgia. What a deer. In fact, it's the new non-typical whitetail world record. Luke Brewster shot the deer with his bow, Edgar County, Illinois, back in 2018. And that deer has now received from the Pope and Young Club the Ishi Award. Named after one of the most influential bow hunters and one of the greatest influencers of Saxton Pope and Art Young. Ishi came from a thought-to-be-extinct tribe, the Yahi, and he was considered to be one of the last truly primitive Indians in North America. Pope and Young took an immense interest in him. His bow hunting and arrow-making abilities, his methods used to hunt big animals with archery equipment. Ishi taught Saxton Pope and Art Young the art of bow hunting. It lit a fire in those guys that continues to burn even today in Pope and Young members and archers around the world. Congratulations, Luke Brewster, only the 20th person ever to receive the Ishi Award. You can see his giant deer at kinderoutdoors.com, 327 and 7 eighths inches. You heard me right. The largest whitetail ever killed by a hunter in either Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett. Luke Brewster. How about Jacob Wheeler? Oh, my goodness. He won that Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour Stage 6 stop the other day, Lake Champlain. A total weight of 88 pounds and 2 ounces 
With a margin of victory in the event of 30 pounds, 13 ounces, the largest margin in Bass Pro Tour history. Jacob also won the Bass Pro Tour stop back in June on the St. Lawrence River and now becomes the first angler ever to win back-to-back stages on the Bass Pro Tour and the first angler ever to win three in one season. What a year. Giacopo Galelli of Florence, Italy finished second. Ott Depot, Blaine, Tennessee, third. Timmy Horton jumps in there in fourth place. Muscle Shoals, Alabama. One of my favorite guys, Brian Thrift out of Shelby, North Carolina, finished fifth. And Kinder Outdoors pro, Kelly Jordan, Flint, Texas. That's out in East Texas. Seventh place. Corey Mason, my friend, the executive director of the Dallas Safari Club, is going to join me a little later on in the show today. And we're going to talk about that U.S. Senate passing of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now, there are a lot of mixed emotions and feelings about this huge spending bill, but it's a done deal. No matter what we think of it, it's here to stay. And sportsmen and women will benefit. You see, this is going to add funding to our nation's natural infrastructure to enhance conservation and increase hunting, fishing, trapping, and recreational shooting opportunity. We'll talk to Corey about it later in the show. A lot of people with dogs that have anxiety, over-barkers, over-jumpers, the kind that tear the couch or the carpet up during a thunderstorm, well, they're seeing great results with calming care from Purina. Calming care. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Not a drug. It gently works over time. Calming care. Oregon Trooper James Hayes pulled Jason Borchert, 19 years old, and his girlfriend Tyra Stevens over the other day. They were driving 95 in a 65. Trooper Hayes saw the blood on Justin's jacket, also all over the bed of the truck. They lied and said that his girlfriend had shot a deer a few days ago near Blue River. What they didn't know was that Blue River area had burned up and was closed after the Holiday Farm wildfire. Turns out they had illegally poached two mule deer bucks, a pronghorn, three Canada geese. They owe the state of Oregon a lot of money and a lot of time, too. Good morning. I'm Jerry Johnston. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall, the Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, therefore the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Owyhee. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. 
The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the Dead Rabbit. I'm Tom Watson with Bend Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. Do you love crappie fishing like I do? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to invite you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Bossier City, October 123. The Crappie Expo is for crappie fanatics like you. There will be over 100 crappie fishing exhibitors selling today's top crappie fishing products. Red River Shootout, top 100 crappie teams competing for $250,000 in the Mr. Crappie Invitational Tournament. Free, the world's largest crappie fry will be held Saturday, October the 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Fried crappie, french fried taters, and hush puppies. Mm-hmm. Giving away $10,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Must be present to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks. Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Bran Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoor Power Sports. CrappieExpo.com, CrappieExpo.com. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com Looking at a 12 with a 10-inch drop time. Y'all go on inside with Kinder Outdoors. Welcome back to our campfire here at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder. Coming up in Alabama, the 2021 Alabama Bass Federation State Championship. Wheeler Lake out of Decatur, Alabama. They will launch and weigh in every day at Ingalls Harbor. 138. Alabama Bass Federation members throughout the state of Alabama have qualified to fish the event this year. The ABF is one of the 47 states, did you know this? 47 states and international federations that make up the amateur arm of TBF, the Bass Federation. 
Alabama is one of the largest state federations with members and clubs across the state, Florida, Georgia, and Mississippi. Hey, let's jump on that Kinder Outdoors trot line now. I've got my old friend Jerry Johnston, founder of the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganzas and Association, uh, on the line. Jerry, we talk to each other on the phone off and on all year, but we get to hug each other's necks once, and that's at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in Fort Worth. And that's today and tomorrow. We're going to have a big party. I, I am so excited. Hey, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Myself. I'm sure everybody else feels the same way. I mean, we went all last year, didn't have no place to go. Now we got it. <laughs> and now it's back. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this thing. It is a monster. It has just grown like crazy through the years. But 40 years ago, this was just an idea in your head, uh, and I believe, it all started in a construction trailer down around San Antonio somewhere or something, didn't it? Well, the company did, yeah. Uh, that show in Fort Worth, uh, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh-huh. But between Dallas and Fort Worth and Metroplex, how many people live up there? Oh, golly, there's, there's close to about 8 million, I guess. There's 8 million people waiting to get in the show. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and they and they've been wanting to do that for a long, long time now. How did this all get started? Well, you know, it's funny you said Fort Worth when you said it. The guy that talked me into doing a show in Fort Worth was Harold Clemens. He's a contractor. I'm not sure he's still alive, to tell you the truth, but uh, that's how we got into Fort Worth because we was already in Houston and San Antonio, and uh, he just kept nagging at me. I mean, he'd show up. Uh, it one of the two once in a while, and he just kept saying, "Hey, you need to come up here where these people are. There are going to be gobs of people there, and I think anything that has to do with hunting, you're going to find some representation there, if not a whole lot." Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. And you know what? People from all over the world uh, have shown up at this thing through the years. Oh yeah. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, and I got a picture to prove my, my point here. Ray Scott came to the Fort Worth show and did a seminar for us. Uh, it's been 15 years ago, I bet, but, uh, yeah, lots of, lots of, I, I know a lot of famous people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, it is the, uh, the original, it's the tailgate party to a uh, hunting season. And it all started with my friend Jerry Johnston, uh, and uh, he put this thing together a long time ago. How many years ago now, Jerry? Well, 1975, was it 40-some-odd years, I guess? Yeah, uh, that's right. And you're only 37 years old, so I don't really know how that worked out or how that happened. But if you'll multiply that last number by the first number, you'll be close. (laughs) There you go. Jerry, looking forward to seeing you uh, out at the, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in Fort Worth this weekend, all day today and again tomorrow. Can't wait. Hey, look us up when you're there, Kinder Outdoors, and win yourself one of those brand spanking new Kinder Outdoors t-shirts. You can see what they look like at kinderoutdoors.com. Deer season on our minds, and uh, Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, he's our big game guy around here, and 
Uh, Larry, I want to talk to you a little bit about shooting sticks. We're uh, getting ready for a new season. We've got the itch to add a new piece of equipment to our arsenal. And, hey, maybe that's shooting sticks. Monopod, bipod, tripod, what do you recommend? I started off many years ago. I saw a painting of, a, of an old buffalo runner, one of the buffalo shooters many years ago, took a set of arrows and used them as a bipod. And so I started playing off of that. What These days what I do is I used to tell people I spent half my time looking for a good rest, the other half time looking for a game. Well, nowadays with the bog pod, with the sticks that we have, primarily the, the tripod, I really love it, but I'll shoot a bipod every once in a while. These days I can spend all my time looking for a game because I've always got a really good rest right there with me. So, uh, yes, either two or three sticks, it depends. I need people tell us, well, I'll hunt out of trees. The bipod even up there will work extremely well. I don't hunt out of trees. I spend all my time on the ground, and so I love the tripod. And with what BogPod has put together, there's several different options. They've got a new rest up on the top, a little V type thing that's called the wide body that's absolutely fantastic. And of course, I shoot a pistol a lot. And to me, one of the hardest things in the world is to get a good solid rest with a pistol, unless you've got a rock and you're resting it over your Western cowboy hat kind of thing. But with their with their PSR rest, which also works great if somebody's shooting an AR type frame, I mean, you can get a good solid rest. And I can take somebody that's never shot a pistol before, whether it's scoped or unscoped, get them on that rest. Get them familiar with it just a little bit, and I'll tell you what, at 50 yards, they'll put every shot that they shoot within about a four inch circle. So that really has made a difference. I, I don't even shoot anymore unless I've got a good solid rest, and particularly most of the time I'm using those bog pod sticks. It's a hard lesson to learn. I was down in your country down there around Junction. I'd been hunting for three days, hot summertime. Hot, hot, hot. Does it get hot in your valley? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hot summertime, we were hunting axis deer. And finally, he showed up on that third day. Now, Larry, we'd been out in the blind, daylight till dark, and the summer days are long. Finally, on that third day, my reward for my patience stepped out. I was propped up on that old cutout, jagged edge of that blind, that plywood, and just as I went to squeeze trigger, that was just enough to make that gun go boom, and I shot right over his back. Lesson learned. Getting in that blind, got those windows cut out, doesn't matter. Carry your sticks up there with you. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't rest the gun on it, you can use that set of sticks to rest your left or right elbow a lot of times to give you almost a tripod situation when you are shooting. So to me, shooting sticks are, are, are you know, what would you leave at home? Well, I'm going to take my binoculars. always my fast binoculars. I'm going to take my shooting sticks and probably third is whatever Ruger pistol or rifle I'm taking. Those two, That's how important I feel those shooting sticks are when it comes to making a shot. I don't care how good of a shot you are standing on your two legs or whatever, you're going to be a much better shot when you shoot off a good bipod or tripod rest. What is the miss, the animal that you missed that still wakes you up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, Larry? There have been several. <laughs> probably, the, probably the most recent one was a desert bighorn sheep that I missed down in Mexico. I shot right off its backside. Been saving for years to go on that hunt and... You know, everything is, it, it's just, it's on the show. So, I mean, we tend to show our you're, you're too sick to even talk about it. I am. I mean, and it, it was from a good solid rest, and I just made a mistake and pulled the trigger at the wrong time. You have all the best equipment, everything's set up. There's still that human error that works in there, and, and sometimes excitement and buck fever in this case, desert ram fever kind of got to me. Yeah, it does. So, see, folks, even if your name is Larry, why soon it happens, doesn't it, brother? <laughs> Unfortunately, it does. <laughs> Oh, hey, if you are gearing up for deer season and you're trying to improve your odds, Larry and I have talked about this before. Put your money in glass. I can't emphasize that enough. And as you get older, it gets even more important. 
a really good binocular, a really good scope, a really good spotting scope. Hey, you can spend 400 bucks, and Ruger, much to my chagrin, doesn't spend a penny with me, never has, but I love Ruger rifles, Ruger pistols, Ruger products. 400 bucks, you can get a Ruger American very dependable rifle. Put your money in the glass. It'll pay off. Well, listen, we're going to make a little run to the coffee pot, but when we come back, my good friend, Corey Mason, executive director of the Dallas Safari Club, is going to talk to us about water guzzlers. Yeah, they're extremely important way out west where it gets mighty hot and dry every year, and especially this year. Hey, we're also going to talk about that new infrastructure bill. Stick around. Hey, everybody, this is Casey Ashley. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it, with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Kinder, how'd you get in my boat? Now, more than maybe ever, we could all use a little getaway. And the Vineyards Campground and Cabins in Grapevine, Texas, is the perfect spot. We are open for business and with well-thought-out precautions to help keep our guests safe. Bring the RV and enjoy our full-service hookups, complete with cable TV, ramped-up Wi-Fi, and space to spread around while enjoying a great view of Grapevine Lake. We can comfortably accommodate any size RV or motorhome with plenty of pull-through sites. The Vineyards also features spacious lakefront cabins, fully equipped with all that you and your family will need to enjoy comfort camping. Our campground store is well-stocked with everything from groceries and ice to firewood and fishing supplies. Don't forget to bring the boat! The Vineyards Campground and Cabins features a private boat ramp with plenty of parking, a private beach, kayak, bicycle and paddleboard rentals, and even a full-service laundry on-site. Come to the Vineyards! We're right in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth, but you'll feel millions of miles away. VineyardsCampground.com Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. You know, as bird hunters and bird dog owners, we've seen our wild bird hunting opportunities dwindle in recent years. And if you, like me, don't want to kennel your bird dog in the spring just to let him hibernate till fall, then you should take a long look at the world's largest field trial organization, the National Shoot to Retrieve Association, or Nastra. This was the very idea of Nastra's founding fathers back in the 1960s. They wanted to extend time in the field with the dogs that they loved. And it must have been a pretty good idea, because over the years, many thousands of men, women, teens, and families have enjoyed participating in Nastra field trials. All pointing breeds are welcome, and there's no need to be intimidated. Nastra sponsors over 1,000 field trials across the U.S. and Canada each year. It's at these trials where your dog can earn his Nastra championship, qualify for entry into your regional championship, and Nastra's five national championships. Take a look at our website 
nstra.org and consider visiting a local trial. We look forward to meeting you. Way out in West Texas on Highway 287, about 40 miles east of Amarillo, is one of the coolest roadside stops that you'll find. Right there on the south side of the highway sits the Buffalo Gold Herdware Store. Buffalo Gold features wonderful western art, one-of-a-kind jewelry, and all things buffalo. Belts, boots, and bison leather products of all kinds. Our buffalo wool socks, gloves, hats, beanies, and more will keep you warm like never before during the coldest winters. And that road trip will feel better, too, with a soft and cozy buffalo down knit throw or lap robe. Unique and beautiful Damascus steel kitchen knives. Vintage Navajo sterling and turquoise jewelry. A huge selection of bison moccasins, shoes, and boots for hunting, working, or just looking great. Stop in and see us at the Buffalo Gold Herdware Store. Yes, we do have our own herd. 40 miles east of Amarillo near Goodnight, Texas. BuffaloGold.net Somewhere over this horizon sit a million little dictators eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats over the mountains and out into the wild from which they hate to admit they emerged. Their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet. If their fevered tantrums are ever imposed, the Earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world, human ignorance and human arrogance. Travel another path, the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter in your blood. From the rough brush of South Texas to the thick bush of South Africa, it's Kinder Outdoors. People ask me, Billy, what is that stuff that settles my overactive dog? Because, hey, those spring thunderstorms, I don't want to live through that again with my dog. It makes him a nervous wreck, and he tears the house up, and nothing I do will settle him down. Well, calming care just might be what you need. From the trusted name Purina, it very gently and safely over time settles the overactive dog. If that's a bird dog, don't worry. It won't take the hunt out of your dog. Learn more about calming care at kinderoutdoors.com. My good friend Corey Mason, executive director of the Dallas Safari Club, joins me uh, now, and I always enjoy our conversations so very much. Corey, good to see you, buddy. Good to be with you, Billy. I appreciate that. We get together and try to, to do a little work, and our visiting gets in the way. We have to we have to catch up. There has to be a fishing or a hunting tail somewhere in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at least one or two. Uh, it's Boy, I want to talk to you about this terrible drought that's going on across western the western United States right now. It's, uh, boy, we've got the biggest wildfire in the history of California burning. Um, and drought from my pheasants in South Dakota down through Arizona down to Baja. They haven't had a drop of rain out there, and they're hurting badly. That's, that's so detrimental. That's worse than no feed for livestock and, and wildlife. 
It is. You know, it has an impact on everything from those larger megafauna that are more visible all the way down to the herb tiles and clearly the bird species, like you mentioned, they rely on groundwater moisture, but importantly insects, which are a direct relation of the amount of moisture on the landscape. And so it does, it touches everything and particularly that late spring to early summer thing when whenever animals are either fawning or they're raising young or they're brooding or whatever it might be, yeah. it, it really has a significant impact. You know, uh, everybody knows you as the executive director of Dallas Safari Club, but before that, uh, you're a biologist and have been for a long, long time, uh, and wildlife and critters have been your life, uh, your whole life. Um, and, and I've always found it fascinating. I've studied the bobwhite quail, I guess, more than any other critter, uh, and how in those very dry years they can find moisture in a, in a tiny leaf that they'll find growing in a shady spot or something. They go into survival mode, and, and a lot of them find a way. But, you know, there's a lot that don't. So we have to help them out a little uh, with the water guzzlers. DSC's been very active in that. And, boy, I tell you, they're needed right now as much as ever. They are needed. And one of the impacts that guzzlers put on the landscape is it's, it's easy to see that, you know, people put them out and they say, number one, what is this device? Well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a large, has a, a fairly large imprint. Maybe think the size of your, you know, your living room or your kitchen. Uh -huh. uh, the apron that's out there designed to catch every drop of water that it can in a very arid environment, uh, designed to then move from there to a storage device uh, that, that hopefully, in the way that they're designed, that they gradually, over time, feed into a trough, again, that doesn't contain a lot amount of water in it all the time readily because of evaporation. But what these devices do is they, they allow there to be surface water available uh, in times of drought, most specifically, when mm -hmm. animals would rely on alternate sources of water, when it's harder to get them out of vegetation or dew or obviously standing surface water, uh, recognizing that we've altered the landscape significantly as humans, as ranchers, as developers from fragmentation and roads and everything else, that we've altered groundwater recharge, we've altered rivers, we've altered natural wetlands, and all those things thus the need for us to essentially step in and provide these alternate sources of water to wildlife. Again, if it's for the quail, uh, if it's for turkeys, if it's for uh, mountain lion, if it's for desert bighorn sheep, any lizards. in between, lizards, everything. Yeah, everything. Anything in that arid and landscape. Now, when you, when you start to put chairs up to the dinner table, or in this, this case the water guzzler, for all these different critters, some of them are three inches tall, and some of them are three feet tall. So how do we go about that to make everybody happy? That's a great question. So many of these things are designed either with the trough that sits in the ground or is graduated, where it has like a, a slide into it, if you will. And so in those that have experience with guzzlers, number one, it's incumbent upon the landowner or the state agency, whoever it is, to maintain and check these things. But as part of that check, they will very routinely, they'll put either a rock or a log or maybe it's a cinder block or whatever it might be that allows that bird to land on it then to reach in and get a drink or that baby javelina that might walk into that water and drown if it can't get out and then contaminate the water supply for everybody, mm. thus making it ineffective. Yep. So they make a ramp in and out so things can get in and get access to water and then they can also get out safely. You have to capture a lot of water. In the state of Arizona last year they set a new record. They hauled, I believe it's 1.8 million gallons of water either by truck or airplane aircraft uh, to their water guzzlers. Uh, this year they think they're going to uh, exceed 2 million gallons that they're actually hauling in there. How, how do you in an arid environment catch enough water to store up and supply through a tough time? Absolutely. So these things are designed, these guzzlers if they're designed well, 
are designed to catch hundreds or thousands of gallons of water and secure it in these storage tanks. And it's a closed system, so again, evaporation does happen. Hot days occur if it's in a black or a green tank and it's 100 degree days. You lose some evapotranspiration 100%. But when they're designed effectively, they can last for months at a time. Hmm. Uh, but in addition to that, ranchers, agencies, NGOs, whatever, do on occasion and as needed supplement those storage devices. So, And it may be from an aircraft like a helicopter, or it may be that you can remotely get a truck and trailer in there and pump water in there, either gravity feed or you know through the through a small pump to get yeah. it in there. So, uh, but so they do require some maintenance and they do require checking, which requires time and again someone's personnel uh, to do so. Uh, but they're very effective because they can essentially be built and, and left to their own for months at a time. That's just phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, I was driving along yesterday, and uh, I'm looking at a, at a pasture of beautiful little black calves, young calves. Uh, all healthy, bouncing around, and they're gathered around a, a water hole, a tank, we call them in Texas, sure. and there's one dead one laying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any idea what happened to him, but death happens, yep. and he was right at the edge of that thing and, and you know, could have contaminated the whole water hole had he been in there a little further. We've got to go check on these things, is my point. Who, who does that? How, how do we keep an eye on this stuff? Absolutely. So it does require time and requires an investment on the front end, which comes from landowners, game and fish agencies, organizations like DSC, Mule Deer Foundation, etc., Texas Big Orange Society, all great partners to do these to financially support the, the, the building of the guzzler. But then on the back end, it requires, again, time from the landowner to come check, make sure connections are there, the floats are working, the valves are working, that actually the trough has water in it and you know, pack rats haven't clogged it up, whatever yeah. it might be, or a hailstorm busted a pipe loose, cows broken by leaning on it, whatever it might be. It happens. All those things happen, exactly. Or if it's on BLM land out west, if the, you know, the BLM rangers and biologists are out checking those things. And so it's not a build it and leave it. Uh, they do require minimal maintenance, but they certainly require follow-up to make sure that they're working properly. Yeah, and a lot of critters are really thankful to have them. Or, or, I don't know how thankful they are, but they're really happy to have them. <laughs> That's uh, right. This for summer in particular. And this is just uh, a part of the good work of Dallas Safari Club and money derived primarily uh, from Convention and Expo, which is back in January. It is. We're so excited to have the 2022 convention happen. It'll be our 40th, and it's going to be a great event. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and we want everyone to get it on the calendar now. It's January 6, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go ahead and tell the boss that you're not going to be there. Because, <laughs> Corey, you can't see it in a day. You can't. 800,000 square foot of space, uh, the greatest exhibitors, outfitters around the world, and You need a couple of days for sure. You bet. Hey, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza is in Fort Worth this weekend. Dallas Safari Club is usually there. We're going to see you guys there. We will be there. Perfect. That's good. Uh, If you don't mind, Corey, stand by. Have yourself a fresh cup of coffee, and uh, we're going to take a little leg stretch. Then come back and pick up our conversation with the executive director and a really good friend, a trusted friend, uh, executive director of the Dallas Safari Club, Corey Mason. I'm going to ask Corey, I'm going to ask you about this new infrastructure bill and how that's going to benefit you and me as outdoorsmen and conservationists. And, hey, I want to remind you again to come see me at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza this weekend. Going to be giving away those brand-new Kinder Outdoors T-shirts, cool-looking new logo. Uh, You can see it at kinderoutdoors.com. Come get you one. 
I'm Dave Fulson with Tracks Across Africa TV and Safari Classics. You know when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm always thinking about it with my buddy Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, or listen from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org at Classic Chevrolet Grapevine. We know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck. Because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother. So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30. 4.30. Don't you normally get up about 4.30, though? Mm-hmm. No. no way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you very go. Very. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. <laughs> At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter, sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com. After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit Joshua Creek. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Casaria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. 
It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting cordobadoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. Screen that porch in just for you. Glad you enjoy it. You're in camp with Kinder Outdoors. Hey, you boys get back in here off that porch. We have more chores to do around here at Kinder Outdoors. Come see me today at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza, the Fort Worth version of this shindig. I will be in booth number F, as in Frank, F542. F542. Come by and see me, win a t-shirt, and be the coolest-looking dude at the family reunion. Hey, the phone number, if you ever need to reach out to us or want to, 1-877-820-BBKO, 1-877-820-2256. The website, kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, like kindergarten, K-I-N-D-E-R, kinderoutdoors.com. Let's pick our conversation up again with Dallas Safari Club Executive Director Corey Mason. Corey Mason, my special guest this weekend. I always enjoy my visits with the Executive Director of the Dallas Safari Club. Uh, and anytime there's big legislation passed that affects outdoors men and women, uh, Corey, I, I come directly to you because I know you've studied up on it. Big in infrastructure package passed uh, by our, our leaders up in Washington. Uh, just a few days ago, and a lot of that affects what we do as conservationists. It does. We're very appreciative of the time that our Congress and uh, all of the NGOs and organizations and organizations like Congressional Sportsmen that, that spend to get pieces of legislation like this move forward, and those that impact things like wildlife crossings uh, and those that, that allocate resources to our public lands are critically important to supporting getting people outdoors for the out-of-doors experience, hunting, fishing, hiking, trapping, whatever get people outdoors we support that yeah wildlife crossings in case you're wondering what Corey is talking about these things came along a number of years ago and and they've proven to be very successful uh, great migrations of, uh, of elk mule deer various critters antelope I've seen them use them they they find out how to get under the highway and to the other side with these crossings right they do and they've been very effective with species like bear uh, ah. some of the cat species as well uh, that they have really help to get those those wildlife species across major hazards, six lanes of traffic or whatever it might be, uh, so that they can move safely and that we do not disrupt natural immigration or immigration patterns. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other legislation that was passed in this bill um, that benefit us as outdoorsmen and, and women. You mentioned uh, there's some aid to get folks outside. What are you talking about? You bet specifically. So funding that allocates resources to develop and continue to build out aging infrastructure associated with our public lands. Uh, uh. You know, vast resources have been spent on those in the past, and when it comes to national appropriations and funding, many times our public lands aren't the recipient of that. When yep. you're competing against roads and health care, et cetera, very understandable. Uh, but when we have the ability to support those pieces of infrastructure and getting people outdoors, we're always very appreciative of that. those funds. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. If, it's, if we're talking about our kiddos and our future generations, 
and we don't keep up with the electronics in their hands, <laughs> yeah. uh, from our end of it, we're going to lose. Uh, we're going to lose those kids and, and lose the next generation's plural of, of uh, outdoors men and, and women. Talk to me a little bit about what Dallas Safari Club is doing around the globe right now. We haven't caught up in a couple of months, and yeah. I'd like to know what's, what's stirring. Absolutely. So we have a number of things going on right now, sort of parallel to the convention, but we have a very strong presence right now in a number of state capitals and in Washington, D.C. on pieces of legislation, again, that, that we're either supporting, such as what we just discussed, or those that we're, we're fighting against that don't, that don't support science-based wildlife conservation and those that don't support the model that has proven so successful in North America since the 1930s. And, and some of those are things like the Interior Appropriations Bill that has had language inserted in it that would keep the Fish and Wildlife Service it would prohibit them from working on certain kinds of permits. Uh, again, it's poli completely politically based. It has nothing to do with science. It's agenda-driven. Uh, and working in some state capitals as well right now on petitions that would uh, ban hunting and fishing, very yeah. simply put. you know. And so making sure that we have a presence there, that our members are informed and engaged and activated uh, to contact their, their local congressmen uh, so that they have good information to make decisions on and so that they understand that their constituency don't support these kinds of things. Many, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but many of these things at the state level come from a very urban society or citizenry, if you will, and they don't represent the rural vote as well. And so we make the, we work to make sure that the urban, that the, excuse me, the rural vote is represented as well in many of these things that, that those that would actually deal with, and I, th I speak specifically here in the case of like the Western Slope Wolf reintroduction in Colorado, mm -hmm. in which the large metropolitan areas essentially developed a petition to the state, and it was supported and passed ultimately, but with no stakeholder investment. Is how does this impact the rancher, uh, you know, the, the wildlife regulatory authority, the yeah. game and fish agency specifically, and so. We work to bridge that gap, to bring science into the conversation. Science is the base and the foundation of everything uh, that uh, Dallas Safari Club does uh, concerning conservation moves and efforts around the globe. Um, and there are a faction of people in, in this country and around the world that pull science and use it like Billy the Kid pulled a pistol. They'll, they'll use it when it's to their advantage and then ignore it sometimes when it's not. But everything that... DSC does when making a conservation decision is science-based from biologists in the field and years of study. That's exactly right. You know, we build off the North American model of wildlife conservation that says that science should be the tenant to manage wildlife in the North America. Yeah. Uh, and we fundamentally agree with that. We've seen the success, again, the, the restoration of untold numbers of species now that are more abundant now than they were 100 years ago, which yeah. is phenomenally successful and it's been successful because of the contribution of sportsmen and sportswomen number one financially but that game and fish agencies manage and make regulatory decisions based on sound science and where the problems come is when governmental agencies essentially step into that again because of political and agenda-based reasons. Yeah, there's been uh, through the years a lot of folks from around the globe come over here and study how did you guys do this and they've implemented these same measures and, and same science-based science yep. conservation in their countries, too. That's exactly right. And we have the great benefit of working with many ministries around the world, wildlife ministries, and have memorandums of understanding in which we support them from a research standpoint, from a science standpoint, uh, from a capacity standpoint, intellectual capacity standpoint as well, and guidance and governance standpoint. And so we have the great privilege of working alongside those and to support them to build sustainable wildlife populations. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to go, but before we do, I want to talk to you a little bit about how COVID and 
uh, the lack of hunters in South Africa and, uh, and the African continent uh, have affected them. And not only Africa, but Canada, Spain, all over the globe. Uh, hunters support, they are the conservation dollar in those countries. They do. So their, their willingness and ability to travel to, say, a southern African country like Namibia and to spend dollars there to buy a hunting license and to support conservation through their dollars they are putting directly into uh, the private lands, whatever it could be, the government concession fees, local communities, etc., is what financially supports their wildlife ministry as well as local people's willingness to conserve wildlife because in the absence of that, those wildlife are simply a threat and detriment to their existence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when you uh, see a hungry group of villagers, and I'm not making this up, I'm not trying to glorify this at all, a hungry group of uh, uh, villagers take apart an elephant and not waste one ounce of it and feed these villages and the dollars that Absolutely. that protect these critters, you'll, you'll see why hunting is a really, really good thing. And their willingness to coexist with those animals at that point. Yep, that's right, because they have a value. Yeah. There you go. Corey Mason, Executive Director, Dallas Safari Club, and a pretty darn good crappie fisherman, too. <laughs> good to see you, Corey. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Corey Mason. Learn more about the Dallas Safari Club at biggame.org or in person today at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in Fort Worth. If you are traveling to Fort Worth to the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in the Convention Center, here's a little tip. Don't spend $12 on a one-day pass. Spend 15 on a two-day pass because you're going to want to come back and see it again or see what you missed tomorrow. Don't miss Kinder Outdoors. We're going to be giving away those brand-new T-shirts just come and register. It's a simple drawing. Going to be giving a bunch of those away. Booth number F as in Frank F542. Much more to come here at Kinder Outdoors after we stretch our legs for a minute or two. share our campfire and a good story or two tender outdoors welcome back and i can't tell you thanks enough for spending a little time hanging out in our camp house with us here at tender outdoors every week it means the world to us hey i want to say thank you to our friends at purina pro plan as well longtime partners with kinder outdoors as a matter of fact we've been partners longer than we've even done the broadcast podcast I have fed ProPlan in my kennel to our hard-working bird dogs and our lovable lap dogs ever since ProPlan became ProPlan. 89% of the field trial champions across North America are Purina ProPlan dogs. Maybe yours should be too. Pick up a bag, the formula that best suits your dog, at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Look at that, it's Iconelli in a kayak. <laughs> uh, Mike Iconelli has actually been an active kayak tournament angler for three years, but this is his first big win, and he won it with literally one minute to spare before lines out. Mike Iconelli, with one minute to go, landed an 18.5-inch bass that lifted him to victory last Saturday in the Bassmaster Bass Nation Kayak Series. His five biggest bass measured 88.25 inches, and that edged out second place Sterling Leach 
by an inch and three quarters. There are some people on this planet that you could put in a wash tub and they'd beat you. Ike is one of those guys. <laughs> hey, a Kinder Outdoors tip of the hat to International Wildlife Crime Stoppers Warden of the Year. It's a brand new award just established this year by International Wildlife Crime Stoppers. And the award goes to New Jersey Conservation Police Officer Todd Vasquez, nominated for his apprehension of a poacher upon receiving a call from the New Jersey Operation Game Thief tip line. After extensive investigation, the case was brought before court and the defendant was assessed a civil penalty of $8,112. Congratulations, Conservation Police Officer Todd Vasquez of New Jersey. International Wildlife Crime Stoppers is comprised of game wardens and conservation officers across the country and Canada. Their focus? To wage war against poaching. Let's talk about a couple of giant fish. Luis Ricardo Hernandez Martinez, he was troll fishing using a moonshine raspberry carbon spoon lure. He's from Ortonville, Michigan. And he has turned in a new state record Chinook salmon for the state of Michigan. It's a giant. 47.86 pounds, 47.5 inches long. Check him out on the bragging board at kinderoutdoors.com. And, hey, I'm going to try to get in touch with this guy. He's from Perry County, Missouri. He was fishing in Perry Lake, bow fishing. Matt Newling of Perryville. With his bow, he caught a world record big head carp. 125 pounds and 5 ounces. Would you take a look at this dude on the bragging board at kinderoutdoors.com? And I'm going to try to get in touch with him. Hey, I heard from Jay Biederman the other day. He's with the Frisco, Texas Ducks Unlimited chapter and wanted me to let you know that they're having a big banquet on Thursday night, and you are invited. They've got a great auction, raffles. They're going to eat good and raise important dollars for conservation. Frisco, Texas, 530. The doors open this coming Thursday night, August 19th, at the Hyatt Regency Stonebriar, Frisco. I made a mistake earlier talking to Corey Mason with the Dallas Safari Club. I said that last year, Arizona had either trucked or airlifted 1.8 million gallons of water into their guzzlers. I was wrong. They actually carried 2.4 million gallons and expect to haul closer to 3 million gallons of water this year during this extensive drought. There's a group in Oregon called the Oregon Hunters Association. They put up $1,000 of their own money as a reward for information on the slaughter, the poaching of two cow elk that were killed and left to waste back on about July 24th, rural Yamhill County near Wilhelmina. The information must lead to a citation or arrest. Senior Trooper Rodney Thomas has been investigating this event and based on evidence that he's come up with it looks like those elk were shot about July 24th. The location of the elk carcasses slightly uphill from the road indicates they could have been good targets for spotlighters. Bell Mountain Road about a mile and a half from Gilbert Creek Road. Hey if you have any information about this incident back on July 24th or thereabouts please contact the tip line there in Oregon and leave that information for 
Senior Trooper Rod Thomas. You can remain anonymous. Turn in poachers in Oregon at 1-800-452-7888. 1-800-452-7888. Hey, if you have any doubt about what I say about Purina ProPlan, just go check the records of the Westminster Dog Show Grand Champions. They're all Purina Pro Plan dogs, or the greatest majority of them are. Purina Pro Plan, it's the best, and it's at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Well, I guess by now the elk are beginning to bugle pretty steady in some places. Bow season will be here before you know it. We'll be out chasing whitetails. So after you put that big game animal down, what's next to ensure a beautiful pelt, a beautiful memory on the wall? I want to talk to my taxidermist, Roy Holdridge, with True Life Taxidermy about that when we come back from the coffee pot. Hi, this is Bobby Labonte, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. The granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. Do you love crappie fishing like I do? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to invite you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Bossier City, October 1, 2, 3. The Crappie Expo is for crappie fanatics like you. There will be over 100 crappie fishing exhibitors selling today's top crappie fishing products. Red River Shootout, top 100 crappie teams competing for $250,000 in the Mr. Crappie Invitational Tournament. Free, the world's largest crappie fry will be held Saturday, October the 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Fried crappie, french fried taters, and hush puppies. Mm-hmm. Giving away $10,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Must be present to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks. Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Bran Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoors Superstore. CrappieExpo.com. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit KinderOutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then view our media kit and give Audra a call. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. 
so your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. You're in good conservation company with Kender Outdoors. When the infrastructure bill passed earlier this week, uh, that made a lot of people groan because it's going to be really expensive to pay for. But... As far as conservation goes, there's a big chunk of money in there that will also be a big benefit to future generations. We're going to talk about that conservation coming up a little later with Corey Mason, Executive Director, Dallas Safari Club. Right now, though, we're going to enjoy the outdoors. Take the competition out of it. Look around. Take a deep breath. Enjoy God's great creation. My friend Ray Sasser wrote about enjoying the outdoors. One of the problems with writing about outdoor sports is the difficulty in keeping score. You know how many runs are scored in a baseball game, and baseball details were recorded to the point of minutia. How many pitches did Noah Ryan throw in his illustrious career? That information is readily available if you know who to ask. How many casts has Lefty Cray made? He's the fly-fishing equivalent of Noah Ryan, after all. What was his ratio of casts per hookup? How many wind knots did he throw, and how often did he rely on a row cast rather than a traditional cast? Nobody knows, nor does anyone care, not even the most ardent Lefty Cray admirer. Keeping score is not the point of fishing. Oh, I know, there are people who fish for a living and accumulate paychecks based on an ounce more bass divided between a five-fish limit. Those people can tell you how many casts they're capable of making per minute with each type of lure. When a fish bites, they hold the rod tip in the water to discourage the fish from jumping and possibly shaking the lure. Professional athletes argue with the referees trying to get away with rules violations and generally do anything possible to win. They're keeping score. It's the final score that counts. Outdoor sports are done for the pleasure of participation, and although fortunes are often spent in pursuit of these pastimes, the final score should be less important than the experience itself. To paraphrase the sports writer named Grantland Rice, what's important is not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game. We used to hear that a lot in children's athletics. I don't seem to hear it much anymore, and that's too bad. Our games and the way we tend to play them are a microcosm of our society. That's true even in outdoor sports such as hunting. 
considering the occasional scandal involving the shooting of pen-raised lions or tigers or leopards or other exotic game. It seems that some great white hunters who care more about the final score than how the game is played will pay a considerable amount of money to shoot somebody's pet leopard released into a five-acre enclosure. There's really nothing new about this atrocity. Since the safari trade began, people with no real interest in testing their nerves and shooting ability on a charging line have paid professional hunters to shoot their game for them. All that mattered was the final score, the head to hang on the wall embellished by a fabricated story. With the advent of realistic-looking fish replicas, you don't even need to own any fishing tackle to have a 10-pound bass hanging on your wall. And believe me when I tell you how much less expensive it is to buy a 10-pound bass replica than to catch the real thing. The person who buys such a prize is left poorer for having done so, and not just poorer in regard to the money paid for the fish replica or the pseudo-line. He has robbed himself of the experience of the game itself and the days spent afield in search of an elusive prize. Worst of all, he has robbed himself and his sport of dignity. Hiking, canoeing, birding, boating, fishing, hunting, and others' outdoors recreation can become competitive events. You can keep score on how far you hike, how fast you sail or paddle, how many birds you identify, how many fish you catch, or how big a deer you shoot. If final score is important, you're probably playing the wrong game. The person who scores his days afield on the number of fish caught or birds shot often will be a loser. The person who scores his days afield on the quality of each minute spent there will always be a winner, particularly when there's nobody watching. It matters how you play the game. I miss him, the late, great Ray Sasser. Anyone who ever read him misses him, I promise you. He was good. This corner of the camp house brought to you by Purina Pro Plan with a formula specifically built for your dog, no matter the age or the lifestyle. Purina Pro Plan, improve your dog's health. Pick up a bag at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. So that buck of a lifetime steps out and your shot is on the money. Now what? You want to preserve that memory, right? So what should you do immediately to preserve that trophy? I had a visit with my taxidermist. I think he's the very best. Roy Holdridge at True Life Taxidermy about just that. Roy, you've done beautiful work for me for a lot of years and for a lot of Dallas Safari Club members. And, you know, you pick up work from all over. Folks have uh, followed your reputation and, and love what you do uh, with your taxidermy work. So let's break it down a little bit. Let's talk about big game Somebody shoots something pretty nice, and they think, I, believe, I want to take that to true life and let Roy work his magic on that. What's the first thing we need to do with that animal regarding the pelt, the horns, taking care of it to bring it into you? Well, you need to get it field dressed as quick as you can, and then the very next thing is you need to get it cool as quick as you can. And here in Texas, obviously, a lot of times we go hunting, it's it's pretty warm out, and so that's uh, you, you need to get it somewhere and get it cooled. Cooling? Are you uh, obviously we're worried about that for our meat, but does that affect the 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 hide as well? Exactly, it does. It does. You know, the the hide's the same thing. Is I mean, you wouldn't want to eat that meat after it's been laying out on the hood for, you know, for for hours and hours in a hundred degree weather, and and neither would you want to try and mount it after it's been out there because the bacteria starts real quick and and then the hair will start slipping and and you won't have a very 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 pretty mount. Yeah. What if we're uh, a long ways off, we need to go ahead and cape that animal if we're going to be coming like from Montana to Texas to bring that animal to you? 
Yes, it's good to go ahead and get it caped. Now you can skin it all the way down to the, you know, the head and take the head off and get it all into, um, you know, a cooler and get it, get it. You don't have to completely cape it out, but you do need to get it cold. If there's a freeze freezer available, freeze it. That's the best thing. Freezing's not going to hurt my pelt. No, it 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 won't. It's it's actually very good. I mean, get it cold as fast as you can. Yeah. When we uh, when we cape that animal out and we're ready to, to make the drive from Wyoming to Granbury, Texas, to True Life Taxidermy, uh, do we want to take special care with how we roll that pelt up? Do we want to avoid creases, cramps, bends, anything like that, or uh, we're going to be okay? No, on on you know on your big game you're not. Um, you're, you just roll them up there, um, but again get them cool. If you've got a if you've got a big old elk or a a bison or something like that, you need to get it cold. If you roll it all up, the heat will stay in there for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, keep it open long enough to get it good and cold. But once you get it all cold, you can roll it up and and uh, put it in something where it's not it's not going to hurt it too bad to get it wet. But it's better if you you know if you separate the the hide from the ice. Okay, very good. Big plastic bag. Take that yeah. plastic bag with you guys. Uh, in, in recent years, I've noticed, and maybe maybe this trend doesn't exist, maybe it's just me, but am I seeing more full-body mounts now than I used to years ago? You know, we do a lot more full-body mounts. We really do. There's, yeah. there's lots and lots of people do a lot of, lot of full-body mounts now. If we're going to full-body mount, we're going to do some things differently, aren't we? Yes, yes, you would. You would. If you're somewhere around anywhere close, it's best just to field dress it by putting as small of a cut as you can and get all of the intercals out and, and then just get it here fast. That's the best thing. But if you're in Montana, then you do need to skin the thing. And, you know, and, and you, would just, you would just go right down the back of the leg. Some people, I don't know why, they would cut up the front of them, but... Like on, on most animals, on the back of the leg, the hair will come from the front to the back, and it'll make a point there. Yeah. Now, if you'll just cut right in that on the back, open them right up the middle there, and, and just skin them till you feel uncomfortable, you know, and cut the neck off, and do the same thing as you would with a cape. Bring the whole thing in. You don't have to take the feet out. Just cut, you know, skin down as far as you feel comfortable, cut the leg off, and leave the bone in there, and bring them in, and let us take care of that. Bring every inch of hide that you can in one piece. Right, there right, yes. True Life Taxidermy, Granbury, Texas. The best, I'm telling you. Roy Holdridge. I hope I bring you a big one this fall, Roy. <laughs> Purina Pro Plan brings you this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Pro Plan Performance in the sport packaging. That's exactly what your hardworking bird dog needs. 30% protein, 20% fat. And they've got it at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hi, I'm Toxie Hayes. I'm Cus Strickland. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it. In my mossy oak. With Kinder Outdoors. The Quail Coalition. The backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. 
If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S. And the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Oahe. The view from your giant western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas, are award-winning artists many times over, and for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granberry, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axes, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy, truelifetaxidermy.org. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey... That's phony. This is this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers 
who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth. Who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. The old camp house floor creaks a little, but don't worry. You're on solid ground with Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder. This is our campfire at Kinder Outdoors. You're a welcome guest. Come back next week, okay? Bring a buddy with you. We'd appreciate that. Hey, don't miss it today or tomorrow. Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza uh, in Fort Worth, Texas at the Convention Center. If you do come out, I want you to stop by my booth, F, as in Frank, F542. We've got brand new Kinder Outdoors t-shirts that we're going to be giving away. All you have to do is drop your name in the hat. It's a simple drawing. Going to give a bunch of those away. Booth number F542 at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza today and tomorrow. Dallas Safari Club is going to be there, too. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to meet this guy, Corey Mason. I had a great conversation with him about the infrastructure bill, water guzzlers, and other real important stuff. Corey Mason, it's always, I enjoy visiting with you, man. Good to have be with you, Billy. I appreciate that. We get together and try to, to do a little work, and our visiting gets in the way. We have to we have to catch up. There has to be a fishing or hunting tail somewhere in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at least one or two. Uh, it's, boy, I want to talk to you about this terrible drought that's going on across western the western United States right now. It's, uh, boy, we've got the biggest wildfire in the history of California burning. Um, and drought from my pheasants in South Dakota down through Arizona down to Baja. They haven't had a drop of rain out there, and they're hurting badly. That's, that's so detrimental. That's worse than no feed for livestock and, and wildlife. It is. You know, it has an impact on everything from those larger megafauna that are more visible all the way down to the herb tiles and clearly the bird species like you mentioned that rely on groundwater moisture but importantly insects which are a direct relation of the amount of moisture on the landscape and so it does it touches everything and particularly that late spring to early summer thing when whenever animals are either fawning or they're raising young or they're brooding or whatever it might be it it really has a significant impact you know uh, everybody knows you as the executive director of Dallas Safari Club but before that uh, you're a biologist and have been for a long, long time, uh, and wildlife and critters have been your life, uh, your whole life. Um, and, and I've always found it fascinating. I've studied the bobwhite quail, I guess, more than any other critter, uh, and how in those very dry years they can find moisture in a, in a tiny leaf that they'll find growing in a shady spot or something. They go into survival mode, and, and a lot of them find a way. But, you know, there's a lot that don't. So we have to help them out a little. Uh, with the water guzzlers. DSC's been very active in that, and boy, I tell you, they're needed right now as much as ever. They are needed, and one of the impacts that guzzlers put on the landscape is it's it's easy to see that, you know, people put them out and they think, number one, what is this device? Well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a large, has a, a fairly large imprint, maybe think the size of your, you know, your living room or your kitchen. Uh-huh. Uh, the apron that's out there designed to catch every drop of water that it can in a very arid environment. 
designed to then move from there to a storage device uh, that, that hopefully, in the way that they're designed, that they gradually, over time, feed into a trough, again, that doesn't contain a lot amount of water in it all the time readily because of evaporation. But what these devices do is they, they allow there to be surface water available uh, in times of drought, most specifically when mm -hmm. animals would rely on alternate sources of water, when it's harder to get them out of vegetation or dew or obviously standing surface water. Um, recognizing that we've altered the landscape significantly as humans, as ranchers, as developers from fragmentation and roads and everything else, that we've altered groundwater recharge, we've altered rivers, we've altered natural wetlands, and all those things, thus the need for us to essentially step in and provide these alternate sources of water to wildlife. Again, if it's for the quail, uh, if it's for turkeys, if it's for uh, mountain lion, if it's for desert bighorn sheep, any lizards. in between, lizards, everything. Yeah, everything. Anything in that arid and landscape. Now, when you when you start to put chairs up to the dinner table, or in this this case, the water guzzler, for all these different critters, some of them are three inches tall, <laughs> and some of them are three feet tall. So, how do we go about that to make everybody happy? That's a great question. So, many of these things are designed either with the trough that sits in the ground or is graduated where it has like a, a slide into it, if you will. And so, and those that have experience with guzzlers, number one, it's incumbent upon the landowner or the state agency, whoever it is, to maintain and check these things. But as part of that check, they will very routinely, they'll put either a rock or a log or maybe it's a cinder block or whatever it might be that allows that bird to land on it and to reach in and get a drink. Or that baby javelina that might walk into that water and drown if it can't get out and then contaminate the water supply for everybody, mm. thus making it ineffective. Yep. So they make a ramp in and out so things can get in and get access to water, and then they can also get out safely. You have to capture a lot of water. In the state of Arizona last year, they set a new record. They hauled, I believe it's 1.8 million gallons of water, either by truck or airplane aircraft, uh, to their water guzzlers. Uh, this year they think they're going to uh, exceed 2 million gallons that they're actually hauling in there. How, how do you in an arid environment catch enough water to store up and supply through a tough time? Absolutely. So these things are designed, these guzzlers, if they're designed well, are designed to catch hundreds or thousands of gallons of water and secure it in these storage tanks. And there, it's a closed system, so again, evaporation does happen. Hot days occur if it's in a black or a green tank and it's 100 degree days. You lose some evapotranspiration 100%. But when they're designed effectively, they can last for months at a time. Hmm. Uh, but in addition to that, ranchers, agencies, NGOs, whatever, do on occasion and as needed supplement those storage devices. So, And it may be from an aircraft like a helicopter, or it may be that you can remotely get a truck and trailer in there and pump water in there, either gravity feed or you know through the through a small pump to get yeah. it in there. So, uh, but so they do require some maintenance and they do require checking, which requires time and again someone's personnel uh, to do so. Uh, but they're very effective because they can essentially be built and, and left to their own for months at a time. That's just phenomenal. It's amazing. Um, I was driving along yesterday, and uh, I'm looking at a, at a pasture of beautiful little black calves, young calves. Uh, all healthy, bouncing around, and they're gathered around a, a water hole, a tank, we call them in Texas, and there's one dead one laying there. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't have any idea what happened to him, but death happens, yep. and he was right at the edge of that thing and, and, you know, could have contaminated the whole water hole had he been in there a little further. We've got to go check on these things, is my point. Who, who does that? How, how do we 
keep an eye on this stuff. Absolutely. So it does require time and requires an investment on the front end, which comes from landowners, game and fish agencies, organizations like DSC, Mule Deer Foundation, etc., Texas Big Horn Society, all great partners to do these to financially support the, the, the building of the guzzler. But then on the back end, it requires, again, time from the landowner to come check, make sure connections are there, the floats are working, the valves are working, that actually the trough has water in it and, you know, pack rats haven't clogged it up, whatever yep. it might be, or a hailstorm busted a pipe loose, cows broken by leaning on it, whatever it might be. It happens. All those things happen, exactly. Or if it's on BLM land out west, that the, you know, the BLM rangers and biologists are out checking those things. And so... It's not a build it and leave it. Uh, they do require minimal maintenance, but they certainly require follow-up to make sure that they're working properly. Yeah, and a lot of critters are really thankful to have them. Or, or, I don't know how thankful they are, but they're really happy to have them. <laughs> That's uh, right. This for summer in particular. And this is just uh, a part of the good work of Dallas Safari Club and money derived primarily uh, from Convention and Expo, which is back in January. It is. We're so excited to have the 2022 convention happen. It'll be our 40th, and it's going to be a great event. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, and we want everyone to get it on the calendar now. It's January 6, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go ahead and tell the boss that you're not going to be there. Because, <laughs> Corey, you can't see it in a day. You can't. 800,000 square foot of space, uh, the greatest exhibitors, outfitters around the world, and you need a couple of days for sure. You bet. Hey, the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza is in Fort Worth this weekend. Dallas Safari Club is usually there. We're going to Absolutely. see you guys there. We will be there. Awesome. Very good. Uh, look you guys up. Find uh, DSC and talk to any of the, the kind folks there and learn more about a membership or water guzzlers or whatever you want to talk about. Corey, thanks a lot. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Hey, we're going to take a little break and then come back and address that infrastructure bill and what it means to you and me, the outdoors men and women conservationist of the good old USA. Hey, are you headed out to Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza Fort Worth today? Don't spend $12 on a one-day ticket. Spend 15 on a two-day. You're going to want to come back tomorrow. Folks, this is Jay Novacek, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. The granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. You might hunt the south pasture, or maybe the double tanks. You've watched that big 10-point for four years now. Maybe he'll show up. Or maybe it's a doe you'll hang in the cooler tonight. We're almost out of sausage links and taco meat. Maybe a pig will come by today. Among all the maybes, there is an absolute. Take your wild game to Cinnamon Creek Wild Game Processing. The Masakio family and their decades of family recipes will have your guests at a whitetail dinner complimenting you on the beef because we the way we season them and then we we cry back them vacuum seal them and then let them sit and then we put them in the freezer so it, the the spices get to work on the meat for a little bit if you'll cook them just like a regular filet you know like medium rare or rare it's perfect i mean it's you can't tell the difference cinnamon creek wild game processing 
CinnamonCreekRanch.com. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot there at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over ten pounds. Yes, sir. Three times, uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole a long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers, looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three ten-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. Nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. Do you love crappie fishing like I do? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to invite you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Bossier City, October 1, 2, 3. The Crappie Expo is for crappie fanatics like you. There will be over 100 crappie fishing exhibitors selling today's top crappie fishing products. Red River Shootout, top 100 crappie teams competing for $250,000 in the Mr. Crappie Invitational Tournament. Free, the world's largest crappie fry will be held Saturday, October the 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Fried crappie, french fried taters, and hush puppies. Giving away $10,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Must be present to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks. Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Bran Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoor Superstore. CrappieExpo.com. CrappieExpo.com. We've camped on the ground and in five-star lodges, but never found a more welcome camp than this one, Kinder Outdoors. Kinder Outdoors, along with uh, just about every outdoorsman in North Texas and beyond, <laughs> will be in Fort Worth today and tomorrow at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza in the Convention Center. Make sure you uh, drop by and see me when you're there. We're going to be in booth number F, as in Frank. 542, F542, drop by, say hello, register to win a t-shirt, we're going to give away a ton of those, brand new t-shirts with the new logo, uh, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, that's K-I-N-D-E-R, kinderoutdoors.com, take a look at that logo, those new t-shirts, win them this weekend at the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza. Corey Mason, my special guest this weekend. I always enjoy my visits with the executive director of the Dallas Safari Club. Uh, and anytime there's big legislation 
past that affects outdoors men and women, uh, Corey, I, I come directly to you because I know you've studied up on it. Big in infrastructure package passed uh, by our, our leaders up in Washington uh, just a few days ago. And a lot of that affects what we do as conservationists. It does. We're very appreciative of the time that our Congress and uh, all of the NGOs and organizations and organizations like congressional sportsmen that, that spend to get pieces of legislation like this move forward. And those that impact things like wildlife crossings uh, and those that that allocate resources to our public lands are critically important to supporting getting people outdoors for the out-of-doors experience, hunting, fishing, hiking, trapping, whatever. Get people outdoors, we support that. Yeah, wildlife crossings, in case you're wondering what Corey is talking about, these things came along a number of years ago, and, and they've proven to be very successful. Uh, great migrations of, uh, of elk, mule deer, various critters, antelope, I've seen them use them. They, they find out how to get under the highway and to the other side with these crossings, right? They do, and they've been very effective with species like bear, uh, ah. some of the cat species as well, uh, that they have really helped to get those, those wildlife species across major hazards, six lanes of traffic or whatever it might be, uh, so that they can move safely and that we do not disrupt natural immigration or immigration patterns. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other legislation that was passed in this bill um, that benefit us as outdoors men and, and women. You mentioned uh, there's some aid to get folks outside. What are you talking about? You bet specifically. So funding that allocates resources to develop and continue to build out aging infrastructure associated with our public lands. Uh, uh. You know, vast resources have been spent on those in the past, and when it comes to national appropriations and funding, many times our public lands aren't the recipient of that. When yep. you're competing against roads and health care, et cetera, very understandable. Uh, but when we have the ability to support those pieces of infrastructure and getting people outdoors, we're always very appreciative of that, those funds. Yeah, absolutely. Really important. If, it's, if we're talking about our kiddos and our future generations, and we don't keep up with the electronics in their hands, <laughs> yeah. uh, from our end of it, we're going to lose. Uh, we're going to lose those kids and, and lose the next generation's plural of, of uh, outdoors men and, and women. Talk to me a little bit about what Dallas Safari Club is doing around the globe right now. We haven't caught up in a couple of months, and I'd like to know what's, what's stirring. Absolutely. So we have a number of things going on right now, sort of parallel to the convention. But we have a very strong presence right now in a number of state capitals and in Washington, D.C. on pieces of legislation, again, that, that we're either supporting, such as what we just discussed, or those that we're, we're fighting against that don't, that don't support science-based wildlife conservation and those that don't support the model that has proven so successful in North America since the 1930s. And, and some of those are things like the Interior Appropriations Bill that has had language inserted in it that would keep the Fish and Wildlife Service it would prohibit them from working on certain kinds of permits. Uh, again, it's poli completely politically based. It has nothing to do with science. It's agenda driven. Uh, and working in some state capitals as well right now on petitions that would uh, ban hunting and fishing, very yeah. simply put. you know. And so making sure that we have a presence there, that our members are informed and engaged and activated uh, to contact their, their local congressmen uh, so that they have good information to make decisions on and so that they understand that their constituency don't support these kinds of things. Many, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but many of these things at the state level come from a very urban society or citizenry, if you will, and they don't represent the rural vote as well. And so we, make the, we work to make sure that the urban, excuse me, the rural vote is represented as well in many of these things, that, that those that would actually deal with, and I, think, I speak specifically here in the case of like the Western Slope Wolf reintroduction in Colorado mm -hmm. in which the large metropolitan areas 
essentially developed a petition to the state and it was supported and passed ultimately, but with no stakeholder investment. How does this affect the rancher, uh, you know, the, the wildlife regulatory authority, the yeah. game and fish agency specifically? And so we work to bridge that gap, to bring science into the conversation. Science is the base and the foundation of everything. Uh, that uh, Dallas Safari Club does uh, concerning conservation moves and efforts around the globe. Um, and there are a faction of people in, in this country and around the world that pull science and use it like Billy the Kid pulled a pistol. They'll, they'll use it when it's to their advantage and then ignore it sometimes when it's not. But everything that DSC does when making a conservation decision is science-based from biologists in the field and years of study. That's exactly right. You know, we build off the North American model of wildlife conservation that says that science should be the tenant to manage wildlife in the North America. Yeah. Uh, and we fundamentally agree with that. We've seen the success again, the, the restoration of untold numbers of species now that are more abundant now than they were 100 years ago, which yeah. been phenomenally successful. And it's been successful because of the contribution of sportsmen and sportswomen, number one, financially, but that game and fish agencies manage and make regulatory decisions based on sound science. And where the problems come is when governmental agencies essentially step into that, again, because of political and agenda-based reasons. Yeah. There's been, uh, through the years, a lot of folks from around the globe come over here and study, how did you guys do this? And they've implemented these same measures and, and same science-based science yep. conservation in their countries, too. That's exactly right. And we have the great benefit of working with many ministries around the world, wildlife ministries, and have memorandums of understanding in which we support them from a research standpoint, from a science standpoint, uh, from a capacity standpoint, intellectual capacity standpoint as well, and guidance and governance standpoint. And so we have the great privilege of working alongside those and to support them to build sustainable wildlife populations. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to go, but before we do, I want to talk to you a little bit about how COVID and uh, the lack of hunters in South Africa and, uh, and the African continent uh, have affected them. And not only Africa, but Canada, Spain, all over the globe. Uh, hunters support, they are the conservation dollar in those countries. They do. So their, their willingness and ability to travel to, say, a southern African country like Namibia and to spend dollars there to buy a hunting license and to support conservation through their dollars they are putting directly into uh, the private lands, whatever it could be, the government concession fees, local communities, etc., is what financially supports their wildlife ministry as well as local people's willingness to conserve wildlife because in the absence of that, those wildlife are simply a threat and detriment to their existence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when you uh, see a hungry group of villagers, and I'm not making this up, I'm not trying to glorify this at all, a hungry group of uh, uh, villagers take apart an elephant and not waste one ounce of it and feed these villages, and the dollars that Absolutely. that protect these critters, you'll you'll see why hunting is a really really good thing. And their willingness to coexist with those animals at that point. Yep, that's right because they have a value. Yep. There you go, Corey Mason, executive director, of Dallas Safari Club, and a pretty darn good crappie fisherman too. <laughs> good to see you, Corey. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate it. I want to say thanks to Corey Mason, executive director, Dallas Safari Club, for hanging out and sharing his vast knowledge with us today. We greatly appreciate that. My friend Roy Holdridge at True Life Taxidermy. Jerry Johnston with the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganzas and talking about shooting sticks, Larry Wysoon. If you missed any of the show, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com and it's waiting for you there. Just click on the podcast. 
If you are planning on visiting Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza Fort Worth today or tomorrow, Kinder Outdoors is in booth number F542. Hey, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the time I've had with you at this old camp house today. Thank you for hanging out with us as well. And hey, I want to invite you back next time around. Till then, may God bless you and your bunch. (laughs) 